Welcome to Basketball Heads Live. I'm your host, Glenn Poole Harding. And tonight, we got a very special guest. This basketball head is the boys and girls all-city great. She used to dominate the PSAL, averaging somewhere around 38 points a game. In a time where not much attention was given to girls' basketball. After boys and girls, she attended Hilbert Junior College where she would, would become first-team All-American in 1989 and Honorable Mention All-American in 1988, Kodak District All-American in 1989, All-Region, All-Conference, 88 and 89, Career Points, 1,150, Career Rebounds, 696, while shooting a staggering 52% from the field. At Seton Hall, she would continue her stellar play and left as one of the most celebrated athletes in school's history. After her playing days were over, this basketball head was given the opportunity to coach at her alma mater, Boys and Girls High School. This job was given to her by the legend Frank Mickens, who was principal at the time at Boys and Girls, and he is also a former legendary basketball coach at Boys and Girls himself. Boys and Girls is known as one of the premier basketball schools in New York City. And New York City's AA League is one of the toughest in the country. They're also number two as far as winning the most championships in the city behind DeWitt Clinton. As basketball coach at Boys and Girls, her teams never missed the playoffs. The Kangaroos have won city championships three times and state championship one time. This basketball head will also go on to win coach of the year on two occasions. Without further ado, help me welcome to the show, boys and girls great, Hilbert College Hall of Fame inductee and Seton Hall standout, New York City, two-time coach of the year, Coach Ruth Lovelace. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? ready? Yes. 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 You have you just stepped into, into, into the world, world of chaos. chaos. Where everybody, Where everybody goes, goes hard. I like that. Lace up your sneakers. That's right. Go <laughs> hard. That's what that. you do, I'm about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Hey, I told you she was going to be here, people. That's right. Look, Ruth, I'm excited, right? I'm very excited because, you know, we came up together, right? Absolutely. Seeing each other in passing, you going to your games, I'm going out to Lincoln, or coming back from a game. And I remember reading the newspaper, of course, looking for my name, right? But then you flip and you see, damn, Ruth, 30, 40, 
32, 25. I'm like, God damn. And it's during a time when there wasn't a lot of attention on girls' basketball. And you was doing the big for Brooklyn. So salute to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, Glenn, um, back in those days, it was a little different. You know, we didn't have the media outlet that these kids, we didn't have the resources that they have. And, you know, it's just a constant grind every day. And, uh, you know, I thank God for the opportunity. Yeah, I played against guys like you every day. So when I got an court against the girls, you know, it, it seemed to be somewhat, I don't want to call it easy, but it was, it was different. <laughs> you made it look easy. Trust me. And us guys, trust me, we was watching. We was watching. Because the numbers you was put, putting up, you didn't, you had no choice but to watch and take notice. So I want to say salute again. The first question I always like to ask everyone who come on the show is, who introduced you to the game? Wow. Um, you know what? I got introduced, you know, going through my after-school center. Um, I kind of went to after-school center, you know, as a kid, elementary school. And, you know, younger kids would play, you know, like kickball every day. And then – the older guys would come in, the teenagers would come in, and, you know, they'd kick us off the, the kickball court to play basketball. And it was this one time where they didn't have enough to play, and they asked me if I wanted to play, and I was like, what? I don't know nothing about this. It's like, don't worry about it. You know, they was one short. They needed 10. And they was like, oh, you just follow that guy around. Wherever he goes, you go. And that's what <laughs> I did. And I just kind of, you know, it's just it's, it's funny how things happen, but I kind of – I kind of liked it. Like, you know what I mean? I, I remember going home and just telling my father, like, I needed some high-top sneakers. He's like, high-top sneakers? You need some high-top? I said, yeah, I want to play basketball. He's like, listen, if I go out this weekend and buy some high-top sneakers, you better play. So every day, I couldn't wait till they come, you know, in the center. We would play from, like, 3 to 5. they come in, like, 5. they take the corner, and I'll just be looking like, uh, I hope they won short. <laughs> That's, that's crazy. how I first, first started to play. Okay, okay. Mo, Mo Less want to say what's up to you. Yeah, just tell Mo Less I said hello. Other good yeah, ones. yeah. Definitely got him tomorrow. Oh, for sure. all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, who was your first coach, and what was your first game like? Okay, my first coach was, um, I guess in high school, was Miss um, Hillian. Um, she was the, you know, the varsity coach of uh, boys and girls back then. It was really only varsity. It wasn't junior varsity, uh, girls True. like it is today. Um, no JV so my first high school coach, you know, um, there's a lot of people I can give credit to, you know, Debbie Mortley, you know, when we was kids that definitely, definitely went to, you know, Big Apple games, Big Apple games raised us. And, um, at that time, Debbie Mortley was, um, the teaching charge uh, at Boys and Girls High School. So I would just go down there and, you know, she would teach me a lot about the fundamentals. So that's a couple of people that, you know, I could definitely give credit for uh, getting me started. Wow. Keith Strauss said, what's up? Yeah, Keith, Keith, that's my guy. Man, Keith go uh, back second grade. Look at that. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Keith was on the back. I didn't even know that. Around. Yeah, we went to elementary school together. Wow. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> We had Coach Motley on the show, uh, season one, and, and she gave it up. And I remember those days, Ruth, Big Apple, okay? I remember, you know, getting on the bus and going to the props and, and competing for our medals, right? right? Those are the times. everything. 
That's right. Everything. Yeah, and she tightened up our fundamentals as well. So salute, nice. Coach Morley for sure. Definitely a legend. Would you would you say you you caught on quick or, you know, the game kind of came. You had it was like a work in progress, or did it come quick to you? I I think it came uh, rather quick. I you know. To be honest, um, you know, I was really athletic. I was, you know, more than the average female or girl. Um, you know, I was quick. I was faster. And I really think that I contribute that to playing with the boys every day. It was times where I wouldn't even um, go play with the girls. Like, we had games at, like, Henry Street Settlement and, you know, uh, Riverbank State Park. I would kind of, like, stay in the park and play against the boys because I thought it would be more competitive. Um, so the app, I was, like I said, I was more athletic than, uh, most. I was, um, real crafty with the ball than most girls. Cause I was just, you know, playing with the guys. You had to be quicker. It wasn't yeah. too like, um, I want to say my freshman year in college, cause I kind of dominated the game just based on my athletic ability in high school. But I want to say my freshman year in college, you know, I had a great, a college coach named Sal Vascalia. Uh, we we, we, we going we to get there. Hold on. Moving on too fast. All right. Okay. Moving on too fast. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But definitely, Keith said Ruth was good at everything she did. Facts. You know what? I was. You know what, Keith? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah Keith, you had, you're right, Keith. You're right. I thank you for that. <laughs> um, you know, when I was you you know, kids, you just, when we were kids, you just didn't play basketball. You played well, whatever they were playing, you know. Um, you know, some days it would be a softball game in the in the park. You would play that, you know. If it was like Coco Levia, whatever it was. If it was relay racing, and whatever it was, you was playing. If it was dodgeball, so I was that kid, and uh, you know, loved to play, loved the outdoors. Uh, 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 Ruth, you covered? Are you covering the mouthpiece? Because I sound You can't. Can you hear me? I can hear you now, okay. yes. Uh, I was that kid that, you know. Bring whatever. the phone down, so okay. Bring the phone down. Just okay. There you go. There you, you go. It? You can hear me? Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was a kid that played a little bit of everything. You know, whatever they were playing, you know, outdoors in the park, in the after school center, I always wanted to be a part. That was fun for me. Um, so, you know, I just carried that on. You, you could tell, you know, I became a phys ed teacher because once I got to college, you know, it was like, Wow, what do you what do you really want to do? What do you love? And I was like, you know what, to be honest, when I looked at my childhood, I said that, you know, I, I love competing in sports. I love playing. I love teaching it. So that's what I did. Wow. Coach Shell, Lambert Shell, who we had on the other night, mm -hmm. he said, ask her about the Sunkiss one. The Sunkiss one on one at Hunter College. What was that about? Ooh, you remember that? I had the college. Um, it was a one-on-one. -on -one, it's a sun one-on-one -on -one at Hunter College. Yeah, yeah, the sun kiss one-on-one. Um, you know, uh, those those was like when you played in those type of events. You know, it wasn't like you you go and try out. Like they hand picked you to play in that. Like you know, yeah. I mean, you go back yeah. to wheelchair class. It wasn't like no open try. You had to have like <laughs> invitation. Like you know. It's, it's, a, it's a lot different. And, um, you know, just a lot of fun. Um, you know, the one-on-one, -on -one, I love to play one-on-one. -on -one. I love when people matched up with me one-on-one, -on -one, you know. Um, 
It was kind of like it's your time to get on that dance floor and entertain. So that was a good time. Wow. That's crazy. I want to say what's up to my sister, sister-in-law, Susan. She's on the check-in. That's my brother's husband who lives on your block. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Small world, yeah. small world. Yeah. So when you was coming up, who was the best player? Who was the best player in the neighborhood? Oh, best girl playing the neighborhood? I want to say me. No. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> I'm not even gonna sit The girl who came up who was the nicest when we was coming up was you. Right, 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 right. Um, I'm, I'm telling you. It, it it was, you know, we had some some conversation. I think there's a bunch of girls that went to Madison and Veronica Simmons and Kaisha Gons, um uh Celia Jackson. You know, it, it's it's funny, Glenn. It could be another story, but this was the right one. You know, the man up above. You know, he had faith. Cause to be honest, I was supposed to go to Madison, cause Madison was the girls' team in Brooklyn that was actually doing a lot of winning. Yeah. And it's funny because my four years in high school, August Martin beat Madison four straight years. If I go to Madison, that's a different story. Bar right. Bar none. And then, and then we would be taking that train route almost every day. Yes, <laughs> right. yes, yes, yes. Going yes. that same route, definitely. Yes. Wow. When you was coming up, who was your heroes in basketball? Like, who were the people you looked up to, female or God? They make a difference. You know, you know it's funny. Like, um, my favorite player, all-time favorite player, uh, was Patrick Ewing. It, it's funny because it, it's it, for me to say that, you know, my favorite player was a was a, a male at that time. It just goes to show you where female basketball was at that time. Definitely wasn't no Nowhere. WNBA. No. Um, every now and then you would see like Cheryl Miller. Um, one of once I got a chance to see Cheryl Miller, I was like, wow, she is the real deal. Like she she is all all of that. And so um, you know, from the girls' perspective, but you know, you just kind of you know grew up because you. You, you play with guys, you know. Um, I love Georgetown. So, you know, I would come out and act like I was patching you on Reggie Miller, you know. I had people on my block that liked Syracuse, so they was Pearl. And, you know, and that's just how we did it. We had our, our jackets. I always had the Georgetown. Somebody had the Syracuse. Jackets. The daughter jackets. Yeah. You, you taking it back. Yes. You just kind of take it back. And, um, you know, my father used to, you know, um, tell me to watch a lot of Georgetown games, just the way they defend. Because he, you know, you said like, can't you be that one, one player offense? You got to be that two-way player. So just kind of like, you know, look and learn. So, uh, and, and I did. So I guess um, but that's when the Big East was the Big East. And, and it's crazy how things work. You know, from those early days, I always said I want to play in the Big East because of that. Yeah, and you did. And I did. It's crazy. Well, it's another part of the show that you probably don't know about. Um, as you see, we got artwork, right? Okay. So as I'm interviewing you, I got my, my artist, our resident artist, Jamel Powell. He played for Jackson, by the way. Okay, okay. And you, and my all-time favorites is huh? Coach huh? Gramby. Shout out to Coach Gramby. 
Hey, listen. Kangaroo Classic. He said he also played in the Kangaroo Classic when Coach Grammy was there, because Coach oh. Grammy was his coach. Yeah, oh, definitely. So um, how proud he was of her, like, what she, what she was doing. Yeah. He yeah. said how Coach Granby used to tell his team how proud he was of you and how far you have come. Because, you know, all them guys is tight. Coach Granby, Mickens, all those guys. Absolutely. You know, and they, they, they all watched him play. And, Glenn, let me tell you a quick story on Coach Granby is that, you know, when I first got the coaching job, he was one that reached out to me and, you know, wished me well. And he kind of told me, like, you know, you just got to understand um, the situation you're going in. A lot of people are not rooting for you, especially male, no matter what they say to you. Um, a lot of them can't take that you're going to beat them. Um, and he just wanted, you know, he just told me, like, anything I need, any questions I have, uh, to just reach out. And we we just stay connected. We scrimmage each other every year. And I, also, I always made sure he was in either the Kangaroo Classic or the Frank Mickens Classic. I know too. That's what Mickens would have wanted. Definitely, definitely. And it's so crazy how full circle it comes, right? You being a product of, you know, boys and girls. My God, being a product of Andrew Jackson, and it's and we just keeping the love, man, for the basketball here to celebrate you guys. So this is awesome for me. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yo, Jay. Those two are yours right there. Those yours right there. Yeah, yeah. All right. So in the beginning, you had this knack for scoring. And and I probably you mentioned it earlier. The fact that you was able to score against us made the girls a piece of cake. So true, so true. You're, you're correct. Um yeah, I did have a knack for scoring. I, you know, I never considered myself like a shooter, but I consider myself a scorer. I could score in various ways. Uh, you know, I learned to, like, read defense and take what the defense um, gave me. I try to get easy points. I try to run the court. I try to play harder. Um, you know, I try to get to the foul line. So all those different ways, you know, points just added up. But um, I would say, you know, my inside game, I was just, you know, so physical. And so I just played so hard. Um, and I scored a lot, of co a, lot of, a lot of my points mostly scored in the paint. Who who was Michelle? Uh, Keith said you and Michelle was tough for the hot. Oh, Michelle Drayton. Yeah, she's the point guard. Um, oh yes, I remember the yeah. name now. Yes, Michelle, yes. Yeah, everybody said Michelle with the glasses. Um, yes. Michelle was really good. Um, she, you know, I, I I'm originally from Crown Heights. You know, Michelle was from Best Style. Um, could really handle the ball. Um. You know, wind up playing, wind up playing at Norfolk State in Virginia, and kind of just stayed right. down there. Um, we're very proud of her. You know, um, she, you know, she definitely got me the ball. Um, she believed in me. You know, and and she she said like, uh, you you you, we gonna go as far as you go. That's what she used to tell me. Wow. Yeah. So. There's nothing like having a teammate that believed in you. You know, I I, I know. Because I played with Tiny, and if you didn't catch the ball, if you wanted a spot that you weren't supposed to be, you wasn't getting it. He threw it to Bernard Shaw. So we made sure when that ball went up that we took off. Because you got a good point guard, they're going to get you the ball. Absolutely. Who was your toughest competition? Oh, like I said, in my, in my day, was, uh, it was Madison out of Brooklyn. You know, um, 
They were they were really tough. Uh, it was Madison and August Martin. Um, yes, you know, August Martin was tough. Like I said, they won in my four years from you know, 83 to 87. They won a city championship four years in a row and they played against and they played against Madison. Um, you know, I ain't gonna lie, it was it was tough um, you know, watching those games, those semifinals, or going to watch those finals. But at the end of the day, I think I made the the right choice of going to boys and girls, just being that big fish in a little pond. Uh, it worked for me. I always believed in too, Glenn, and giving back to my community. So when it came down to me, and I'm telling you, I was going to Madison maybe up until the week before school, but you know, I was one that loved my community and loved my neighborhood, and I and I felt that like I needed to give back to them, and I wanted my family and my friends to kind of walk, you know, just walk be walking distance from the school to come watch me play. And that meant everything to me. Um, yeah, sacrifice maybe winning some championships, but in the long run, it, it it was the it was the best decision, you know, because I met some great people, I had some great administrators at uh, Boys and Girls High. As you guys know, I, you know, I moved on, I went to college, and I when I came back, they showed me love, and here I am, twenty twenty eight years later, you know, that's kind of unheard of to be in one place. For 28 years, and we're not even talking about you know basketball. We just talk about teaching. Like you don't really stay in one place for 28 years. But um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. You know, um, I'm thankful for that. Um, but it's been some really good people who really believed in me and loved in me and, and, and trusted in me. And, um, and here, here I sit, 28 years. You listen. You you are going to leave this game a legend. You're already getting that legendary status now. But when you leave this game, when it's all said and done, you're going to go down as one of the greatest coaches in New York City history. Trust me. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we're going to leave out of high school on this note. Give me a game where you was in the zone and everything you put up went in. Your best game in high school. Sarah J was just like Everybody's dumping ground. <laughs> we played them first every year. Every year we played Sarah J on first. It was like, get your workout on, get to know who you are, and then we can move on from there. Yeah, your volume, the volume. Yeah. I, okay, 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 okay. You know, I you I, we playing Sarah J Hill at Sarah J Hill. It's like midway, midway through the third quarter, I got 54 points. And, you know, it was just things. It was just different, Glenn. Um, you know, just trying to play the game right. And my coach took me out, you know, and we were up big. And it was the right thing to do, you know, for selfish reasons, for individual reasons. You're like, dang, I should have left me in there. I probably have finished with like 75. But, you know, just understanding the game and doing things right, it definitely was the right thing to do. But I just know the way I was, I was scoring that, you know, I could have had about 70, 75 points in that game. Um, but she she definitely, you know, she took me out. Wow. 
Lab Michelle was saying some of the same things. This guy scored 3,000 points, 3,001 points in college. And he was like, yo, gee, I'll be coming out like the third quarter, 25. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. like, let the mm -hmm. other guys play. Not, I wasn't even thinking that at that time. He said, I wasn't thinking about these points. Now that I'm a grown man, I sit back and like, that could have had like 4,000 points. Yeah, you, you, you do think about it. It's just something to think about. Yeah, just something to think about. Wow. Was it anybody who gave y'all fits? Is there anybody, not not team, to about the person who you played them against? They said, you know what? Me and this person go out there all the time. Um, you know, to be honest, I really didn't look at my opponents like that. You know, um, I just went out and I and I played and I played with a chip on my shoulder, Glenn, to be honest, because you know. Again, I was that, that big fish in that little pond, just kind of putting, you know, boys and girls on the map. But um, I think people played me like that. You know, I faced a lot of gimmick defenses, a lot of boxing ones, triangle two, you know, just people just being trying to be real physical with me. Um, but I just tried to play the game the right way, um, the way I was taught to play it. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, you know, you, you – and you got to be honest, Glenn, like you, you look back and, you, you know, back then, like you said, you made a great point. We used to pick up the daily news every day to see who scored what. And I kind of wish these kids had that today. It, it, meant the, it meant the world. Like, that's the first thing you did before you get that bacon, egg, and cheese. You grab that daily news <laughs> off that newsstand. You go right there on Utica. You grab it, jump on the train. I grab it and yep. go across the street and and, and the high. And, um, you know, with that being said, you always – you pretty much knew who was going to be like somewhere first team or daily news or news day. So those are the people like, you know, you would probably like put up in your room and you like, like, all right, we played on January 25th. Let me X that off. You know? So you, you know, the, you know, the, the, the people that was like right there on your level to be yeah. honest, you couldn't wait to play them. And, and you know, now you go to YouTube and the only thing they have is finishes. They only got, they have no misses. You can't see nobody do anything wrong. So it's hard to look at your competition and critique them. You more scared, like, damn, he could do this? He could do that? And only you see in the small clips. Right. And it don't help you enough. Now, with the daily news, you know, you had the box score. But at least you can see it on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. It's not like that anymore. And I think we okay. had a lot to do with that because the Daily News did so much for New York City basketball. A lot of us start going to camps. A lot of us going to Empire State games like myself. Prep school yeah. like myself. Right? Yeah. We were leaving. <laughs> yeah, and it was awesome. So, but you had to kind of pick and choose at that time. And there was a lot going on. And we didn't know the politics of the game. We didn't know 20 years, 30 years from now, there, there'll be no high school coverage in the papers anymore. No, we didn't. It's crazy. Now, you're entering Hilbert College, right? How was the transition from high school to being a college student? Um, you know what? It was it was somewhat a transition, um, but you know what? And, and shout out to, to junior college. Uh, I promote it. I tell my kids. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, for me, it, it proved to be 
uh, great decision. Um, but you know, when I went to 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 Hilbert, Hilbert was a nationally ranked program. Um, my freshman year, we was top five in the country, and then my 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 sophomore year, we was top three in the country. So I think what I had to learn, like every night out, you know, there there was competition. We wasn't. We was playing a national schedule, right? You know, you of course you have to play the the teams in your division, your region. Although JUCO um, has changed, you know, in regards to the different divisions they have now. Back then, they didn't have that. But my um, coach made sure we played like a national schedule, so we traveled all. We was like big, big, big time um, div- division um, one JUCO, you know, in regards to going to Hilbert. So. I think what I had to learn most is that, like, every night you got to bring your A game. There's really no nights off. You know, in high school, you say, ah, you know, you look at your schedule, you can already say, oh, this is definitely a W. This is definitely a W. Uh, This is definitely a W. Um, On that level, you know, um, and, and two, it was more more of a system, right? So, you know, and uh, sometimes in high school, you know, you're leaking out, you're getting out of running, you're getting transition baskets. On that level, everybody's getting back. So you really got to, you know, you really got to strategize, just like playing chess, you know. They make a move, you make a move. When you really had to think on the floor, you know, you had to set a lot of screen. A lot of that stuff, um, you know, I really picked up on that that level. Um you know, not not breaking down the play, you know, you break down a play, you coming out the game. So um, just playing the game the right way on that level. I mean, we we faced, I mean, we played all the girls that was major division one. They just, you know, at a Juco for two years. I, I, I think about that all the time, you know, even though uh, I had a, a great time at Philly Dickinson and graduated on time. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the right the right basketball fit for me, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, Ruth. At the time, a lot of us was sticking our nose up at JUCO, the Division Twos, and things of that nature, the HBCUs, because everybody was just focused on going Division One, right? Mm-hmm. Back then, it meant so much to us. And now, you you know, you look at it. You know, instead of being, you know, Prop 48, I get my year, right? And I get to go now, pick where I want to go and the basketball program that fits me. So I I applaud you by saying, you know, you're a supporter of junior college basketball because it at least give you another opportunity <laughs> to get yourself together. Right. On and off the court. And now you can pick wherever you want to go. See, your nasty ranked schools or somewhere that's going to fit you. And you know what, Glenn, coming out of um, Boys and Girls High School, you know, I, I got a lot of letters. Um, you know, it was just that, you know, God bless the dead. My high school coach, um, you know, there's some coaches that just coach because they like phys ed teachers, but she really wasn't a basketball person. So, um, although I was, you know, I was excellent on the court, and I, and I was a, I was a great student too. I was in college bound at the high. Uh, I was a really good academic student, but she never put things in place for that next step for me. So right. when it was like, 
now the, the next step, uh, you know, I took the, the SAT, the last SAT. Like, she never really told me, like, I need to be taking this, uh, you know, taking these tests. Um, you know, she never really did what she was supposed to do in regards because, you know, I could have, I could have definitely should have went D1 um, right out of, uh, out of Boys and Girls High School because, you know, uh -huh. academically and athletically, I was one of the best in the school. Like I said, I was in the college prep program. Um, but you, you just don't know why things happen and things happen for a reason. Yeah. And I think it was the best thing that could have happened to me because, you know, one thing is that when I went on to Seton Hall after, after Hillbed, I was ready. I was ready to play. I was ready to that, for that big university because of the two years that I spent at Hilbert. I was also junior college All-American. So, I mean, yeah. I, I had every school in America, <laughs> to be honest. I really did. Um, well, who were some of the schools besides Seton Hall that was recruiting you? Oh, man, I had I had St. John's. I had Hawaii. You know, I had Florida A&M. I mean, I could go down to Rock Boston College. I had all the mid-majors. Like, hold on, LaRue. Did you at least take the Hawaii visit? Yeah, I definitely took the Hawaii visit. My brother took oh, Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's make some noise for that because I tell people all the time, you get a chance to get recruited by Hawaii, take the visit. Yeah. I took all sure. of my visits, to be honest. I took all five of my visits. Um, you know, it's just a, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we're in this pandemic um, time, and I, I'm not going to get off note because you're the host, but, you know, kids are not getting that opportunity, you know, to go visit these colleges and universities. It's hard to just go to a school and you've never really seen the campus. You didn't get a chance to, you know, talk to the, the, your, your teammates and, um, you know, just learn the coaching staff, administration, and you just telling me to go there. Like, so all of those things, you know, you look back and you say that, you know, you was grateful for, but for me to play on that, that, that national junior college level, to be junior college, first team, all American, to come out pretty much hand picking wherever you want to go. What more can you ask for? Listen, you was on a mission. All-American, district player of the year, 1,150 points, right? Shooting 52% from the field. Who does that? That's hard to do. I tell people all the time, if you really think you you good, check out your shooting percentage. Anybody can get 50 and shoot a 1,000 times. Right. right. Right? And packing your stats. You shoot 52% over a two-year period. You're doing something special. Yeah, you know, everybody like, can't do it. Sometimes, sometimes you maybe too. When I think back, like maybe I feel like it was something to prove too, like because I did go to junior college for two years, and um, um, I said to myself, like, you know, I, I'm gonna make the best two two years out of this. I'm gonna have a lot of fun. I'm gonna learn a lot, and, and I and I did that. But you know, like you said, it's it's, it's for other people to tell your story. I never really. Like, tell my kids that, you know, I coached over the years or how I could. They come to me and be like, Coach, hold up. Yo, I was talking to my uncle. Yo, he was telling me. It's for other people to tell your story, you know? And I just sit there. Yeah, I was, I was all right. <laughs> I, I, I tell y'all couldn't wait because uh, especially after Mo passed away, and I think I was doing a few shows before that, 
but I was really looking forward to to interviewing Mo, right? And and he when he passed away, it touched home for me because we all around the same age, uh, came up around the same time, and Mo was such a special person, great brother in the community, always gave back and gave with his heart. So um, when when Mo uh, kind of left us, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take this shit hard. Not take it hard, but take this shit serious because I took it hard. And also, I'm going to let people tell that story. And I'm going to help them tell it because Mo didn't get a chance to tell his story. And he was one of our people, one of our guys, one of our friends. So I said, you know what? With a couple of backings from a few of my friends who've been pushing me to do this for a long time, I said, you know what? Let's make it happen. And And... I, and this is why I really I wanted to get you on route because again you're another person I look at I know we came up together and I want to make sure that the world knows what a great player you are. Thank you, thank you. That's just it. You bring up a, a, a great brother. I can't hear you. I said me and Mo. You know, it's funny that you you bring up Mo. Me and Mo. Um, it's like a, a brother. I mean, I really mean that. Like me and Mo, we met in junior high school. We went to the same junior high school with the IS210. And then, you know, we both, you know, came down to Boys and Girls High School. You know, we used to have those chats, you know, Glenn, we used to talk about you. You know, like, you know, we'd be in the cafeteria and you talk about who we played in, you know, this afternoon. Oh, uh, we got Lincoln. Mo, we like, yeah, we got Lincoln today. I'm like, oh, you got your hands full. He's like, yeah, my boy Glenn, you know, he always smiling. And, um, you know, he yeah. was just like you said, it, it's not a better guy that gave back. And he gave back to kids and he never, you know, wanted anything in return. He just wanted to see kids to be successful. Um, he's a, He was, you know, he, he graduated 87 with us. I mean, we, yeah. we all kind of travel, you know, I mean, going to watch the games and, and and Brevoy in the Coliseum and That's right. you know um going to Soul in the Hole when you guys just play, you know, Kingston Paul, you know, it's just it just brings back so many memories and you know the whole as the kids could say, the whole hood came and you knew you was gonna see a great basketball game. Even, you know, Glenn, I tell people and I tell my kids that when we was in high school, they had night games, you know, yes. during the week. You had yes. games, you know. You had Friday night games, and you know you would come watch the game. It, it, it was lit up in Brevoort, and no one got shot. Yeah, you ain't have to worry about none of that. You know, you walk wherever you had. You know, everybody walked back to their hood, and yeah. you know, we would walk back and maybe have five dollars in our pocket and get four chicken wings and, and fried rice <laughs> and a sunny dell and just. Mm. And just talk about the game. Just talk about the matchups. Yeah. And um, you know, you just really don't you don't have that, you know, today and time. Like I'm going to the game, like should I go in the park or should I wait outside the fence and watch? But it's a yeah. different time. It's a different time. Different, different time, different time. Uh I, I tell the story all the time. It's a famous story. Well, for me at least, um, coming from a game in Brevoort and 50 Cent, not the rapper, mm -hmm. you know, the gangster that lived in our neighborhood, mm -hmm. he called me over and he was like, yo, Slim, keep doing what you're doing, man. You nice, man. 
Don't be like these other suckers around here. And for him to tell me that, like, who thought he was paying attention? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I tell kids, you never know who's paying attention. Sure, sure. Be, the, be the, the person that your parents or guardians raised you to be. And everything else to follow, you know, carry over. So we got passes. Nobody robbed us. No one pressed us. To be honest, they uh, made sure we was good. You know what? They made sure we was good because of that ball, yes. right? Yeah. I, I tell you that 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 ball you just lift up. You know, Glenn took me so many places I never went. I met so many people through that little round ball. You know. Um, so, like you said, if you respect it, you play it hard enough, you try to live right. Um, that that about that round ball will give back. Trust me, it won't, right. it won't do you wrong. And a little plug: this is our sponsor. Okay. Game over, Eric Hicks. Game game over. Shout out, Eric. Always, yeah. always. Yeah, yes, great, great guy. Yeah. So now you at Seton Hall, mm-hmm. playing the Big East. I, I interviewed James Majors, right? <laughs> Had James Mason's up here, uh, Dal Walker, Gerald Green already. So you can scroll down and look at all those interviews. And that'll be on right. YouTube soon. So uh, James Mason said from 1983 to 85, 86, I think 85, they were getting $5 a day for meal money. Now, I was like, damn. Who was robbing y'all? Because I found a ticket said we was getting way more than that. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, G, $5 a day. Now, I know men's program is different from the women's program. How much did you guys get for per diem when you guys went on the road trip? That, that, that changed drastically. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad I came after him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man, eighty nine. I think we could get like twenty five dollars to thirty dollars right. a day meal money. Um, right. You know, and then sometimes you would get meal money, and and the coach would say, "Okay, um, we're gonna go here and eat, and just put it on one bill, and then she would That's pay right. the bill, and you you keep your meal money." So, um, yeah, it, it changed drastically. Um, I said, I said, call her, call us some more pocket in that change. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to that. Yeah. So you you get to see the hall. How the transition different from playing at Hilbert when you kinda like miss everything? How is the transition now playing at Seton Hall? Ooh, you know, it's like it's like it's like the Jeffersons moving on up in regards to um everything like first class. First of all, you know, at Hilbert, we we went to games in vans, the fifteen passenger vans, even though we were nationally ranked. Uh, you know, um, see your horn now. You got the 50, 50 passenger bus. You got your own seat. You flying. Um, you know, you you flooded with gear. You know, right before I got there too is the year that see your with Gerald Green. Yes. Uh, yeah. the championship. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I got there in a, in a good year because you know when you get to that. That championship, you know, how much the school get in the in the conference. Right. Um, but it was so structured too. Um, you know, the mandatory study hall, um, you know, 
you play major college basketball, getting up, running at six o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, every every day, you know, you had to, you had time management, but you had to be somewhere. So um, it, it it changed, and in that aspect, I think I might have had a little bit more freer time um, at Hilbert opposed to to, to Seton yeah. Hall. But when you got up, it was like, you know, six o'clock runs, then this breakfast, then you in class, then from class, you had weight training, you got practice, you got, you know, you got a film session, uh, you got study hall, and then you go to sleep and you get up and you got to do it the same, <laughs> the same thing, just different days. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the travel, um, I say that it was different, um, classrooms were like you know bigger bigger more students in the classrooms it was it was um again i i, I don't have no regrets um i love seeing whole private Catholic school they did things first class um very expensive to go there <laughs> uh so um I was pleased, definitely pleased with it. And, and, and you left there as one of the more celebrated athletes uh i was doing some research uh, definitely one of the top student athletes that ever played there. So, you know, you just kept being roof and doing you. So salute to you, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you graduate school, right? And now we're transitioning to the real world. Because unlike now, there's no WNBA, Right? There's no other leagues that, you know, a lot of women can go to unless they want to go overseas, which is just a whole different lifestyle within itself. When the game was over for you and you became an educator, how did you get back into the game? Wow. You know what, Lynn? Um, graduated, you know, I graduated Hilbert, my associate, graduated Seton Hall, my bachelor's, and now, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. As soon as I got out of school um, with my bachelor's at Seton Hall, I did my internship uh, in New Jersey. And the school that um, I actually was doing my internship in, they kept me. So I taught, actually, I taught in Newark for uh, a year in Newark, New Jersey. Wow. Um, and then I remember being home, you know, um, Summer going in, maybe into my second year of teaching, and my youngest brother now was going to Boys and Girls High School. Wow. So my mother was working, and you know, it was freshman orientation. It was a week before school started, so she said, "Ruth, I cannot take him to you know freshman orientation. I got to work. Could you take him?" So I said, "All right, definitely. Take him to freshman orientation at um, Boys and Girls High School." And so as I come in. I see Mr. Mickens, and he's like, oh, where you been? I've been looking for you. I want to offer you a job. And, and this is before cell phones. You remember, this is before cell phones. So he's like, I was calling your old house number. I ain't getting no answer, but I had moved from then. Right. So he was like, um, yeah, I want to offer you a job. I'm like, well, I'm kind of like, I got a job. and It's like a week before school. I can't just he, and then he's like, what? This is where you from. This is your neighborhood. Your kids need. 
it, it was kind of like if you know it was big, it wasn't like yeah. you was going to question them. Or it, he said, yo, tomorrow meet me at the Board of Education, 9 o'clock. He said, just bring a $75 money order. You got $75? I said, yeah, I got 75 he said, get that money order and meet me at the Department of Education. So then that's how I started. You know, I started to teach uh, when I'm at the high for one year. And the high really wasn't doing well, you know. Um, they didn't make the playoffs. It was like, you know, you know Boys and Girls High School and what it stands for traditionally, traditionally rich basketball program. Yeah. And, and to be honest, Mickens wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. So um, season is over, um, first year there. And I'm still playing a little bit. Like, I'm like, that first year um, at uh, Boys and Girls High School, you know, we had, like, the best players in New York. And I can make just something like a Nuka Brown and, uh, you know, just a bunch of the top players in New York. And we kind of formed a team where we would go play the you know, colleges during their preseason. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he's traveling, you know, playing all the teams on the East Coast, um, getting them ready for their season. So I was playing a little bit. And, um, you know, but when I was in, in school, like, during the day, you know, Mick would call me to his office um, sometimes, you know, during my prep period or maybe, like, after school. And he kind of, um, in a roundabout way, um, I could tell that he really wasn't happy with things that, was going on in regards to the boys' basketball program, although he never said it, but you could just kind of read in between the lines. And then he he would be kind of uh, quizzing me, like he'd be asking me basketball questions, strategy, you know, and I and I didn't even really know, you know, I'm just I'm just answering it, and um, you know, he had these resumes on his desk, and I say these resumes had to be like two feet high, and then he was saying that. You know, we're gonna make a a change um, next year. He said, "I need you to read these resumes and come back. Take five resumes, <laughs> take them home, read them, and bring them back and tell me your your top two or three choices." So I'm really going home reading these resumes. Like, yo, these these two sound like they'd be best in the program. I don't know about these three. So then he, later on the week, I need you to take what. He when I come in his office, he's he's questioning me about defense, offense, you know, um, leadership, and I'm like talking to him about it. So now the year the year is is done. The, the summer it's the summertime. We come in off the summer, and now it's almost time for him to hire a basketball coach because he have everybody knew that he had um fired the previous coach, and it's time for him, you know to ask the hire coach. So he's still really not saying nothing. And so this one particular day, I'm in class. I'm teaching my class. I'm in the gym. And he said, and you got to remember, Glenn, back then, uh, it was about 4,500 kids that went to Boys and Girls. It was a lot yes. of kids that went yeah. So if you could just think about the basketball gym, it was like four classes in there with like 50 kids in each class. So it was, it was, it was like, I mean, it was loud. So he comes over the PA system and he says, I need everybody to come to, to attention. So, you know, we like, yo, take a knee. Everybody's sitting down, take a knee. Kids are quiet. Funny. He said, I'm about to announce the basketball coach. So um, he comes over and he says, the new basketball coach is Ruth Lovelace. 
And I'm looking up at the PA system like, well, y'all know he's playing, right? Y'all know he's a clown because he is a judge. <laughs> he'll be back over and he'll just say, like, you know, I was playing and he will announce whoever he picked as coach. So class goes on, everybody's at play. He never comes back over the PA system. So, you know, our kids clapping when he, you know, announced my name. Like, yeah, love, yeah, love. And in my head, I'm like, yo, y'all know, I never interviewed for the job. I never, he never once asked me if I was, did I want to coach. I never told him that I, that I want to coach. So, yeah, he going to come back over. You know, I'm saying this for him. He's going to say he is playing. So now he never comes back over. I get a prep period, and then I go to him. I'm like, yo, man. What's up? When you coming back over the PA system and tell him you was just playing and whoever you pick this coach is going to be coach. He was like, I'm not. I'm like, what you mean you not? I'm like, yo, you, how you say that I'm the coach? You never asked me if I want to be the coach. This is something I want to do. You never quit. He's like, you're the next coach. I'm wow. like, wow. That's, that's, that's deep. People don't really know the story. And, um, he said, that, you don't worry about, I don't care what nobody say. You know, he was different. I don't care what nobody think. There's going to be a lot of haters. There's going to be a lot of men saying, like, yo, how you hire? I was 22. Man. I was 22 young. I was really only four years, maybe three years older than some of the seniors that I was coaching. And um, he just said, you know, I, as long as I'm in your corner, you don't have to worry about nothing. All I'm asking you to do is just go out and work as hard as you can each and every day. And I said, that's it? I said, I'm used to working hard, so you ain't asking for nothing. And that's and that's what I did. And, uh, wow. Yeah, that's the story. Rest in peace, Coach Mitch is such a great man. Such a great, great, great man. You know, he used to poke fun at me all the time because I was a Lincoln guy. But always show love. Like I could say, being one of the only dudes, like one of the first dudes from on his side to go all the way over there and do well. And Coach Mick has always supported me. Him and Coach Bobby Hosting was cool. So anytime I was over here and playing the Empire State games or if he needed to give me some motivational words, every time I saw him, it was always great seeing Coach. Yes. For sure, for sure. Also, shout out Bobby Hardstein, another great guy. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I got my coach on here too. I, I, I snuck him on. He, he's on here. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, he yeah. don't do social media either. So when he came to New York, we had lunch, and I cut my phone on. He said, "All right, Glenn, you got me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my guy. That's my guy. Yeah, so, yeah. So I know the first couple of years was tough. Yeah, you know what? It was, it was, it was, you know what? Glenn, everything's about approach, right? And how you approach things. So, you know, I approach, you know, my practices. Um, I held kids accountable. Like I was held accountable uh, in, in, um, in my first year. So, like, the respect factor kind of was there because, in regards to the kids and my players that I was coaching, you know, and I could say Nolan and Justin and Neil. You know, and then they coming off a, 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 like a, a losing season uh, where they really didn't believe in uh, the system of the coach before I got there. But the way I approached it and I kind of approached it like, you know, uh, a college program, um, you know, from school 
You know, we had study hall after, you know, with school study hall, then it was practice. And, you know, practice, weight room, just being on time, you know, progress reports every day. And that was something that they wasn't used to. Uh, when you didn't do any, you know, something right, the whole team had to pay for it. So things just kind of fell in line, um, you know, from from that point on in regards to, to the players, because uh, they kind of like it wasn't something that I talked, you know. And, and and back then, Glenn, I got in practice and played every day because I was still playing. So um, you know, it wasn't just telling them something; it was also showing them. Um, at right. that time, I want to say maybe like my. First four or five years, I I got in practice just about every day, and I and I and I mm. played in practice, and then that's when I had to get some younger assistant coaches because you know, <laughs> <laughs> can't do that running and banging. That's right. That's yeah, right. But um, and then you know um, I guess the outside world, you know, and that's why I love Mickens for, and I he really assured me like I didn't have to worry about that, but I think people were surprised, you know, um, because. Uh, like I see, you said first year we went from not even making the playoffs the year before to making the playoffs, losing to 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 Lincoln and and the quarterfinals. Um, great game, you know. But then you know, uh, um, Steph was just Steph in that second half, you know, and the bank State fall. But to go that far and and you know just to beat the coaches in my division. Um, I think we finished second in the division um, that year, like next to Roberson. It was like that was the wow. one, us and Roberson. Um, Roberson was tough back then too. Yeah, Ro- Roberson was tough. They was tough. They had the, they were big, you know. They had the six eight, six nine, six seven. Yeah. yeah. Point guard six five. Yeah, point guard, six five. Al Griffiths, six, uh, you know, six two, six three. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, but even in those games, we competed, you know, we competed. So once you compete on, in those big games and just beat everybody that you're supposed to beat, I think that started to turn the heads like, yo, this this lady is, is, is serious. Like, she knows what she's doing. Her kids respect her, you know, they respectable kids. They play hard for her. And, you know, and I got to give kudos to my players. You know, my players really, really, they, they play hard for me. They believed in me. And I don't sit here, you know, today without them. You know what I mean? Because, um, you know, they didn't play hard for me. They didn't, you know, we lose, have a losing season. Then I can't tell this story because uh, Mick probably would have got rid of me too. <laughs> That's right. But you let a couple of years go by, and all of a sudden, Ruth Lovelace is like this. City champion. City champion. State champion. City champion, two-time coach of the year. This wasn't overnight. All oh, this man. was a work in progress. The grace of God, you know, I put him first, but, um, you know, and, I, and I'm definitely grateful for hard work. It's a lot of different moving parts that come into that. Um, you know, Glenn, sometimes I sit back and I think of people who coach 30 years, 40 years, some people – 20 years in the PSA never won it, you know, and not that they wasn't good coaches, but they never won it. So it's just a, a select few can say that they, they won a city title and to win three and three in a row. Um, you know, I don't think much people thought that, you know, it's funny that, you know, Mick too, like you said, if you watch my documentary, 
Um, you know, he said to me in that documentary, he's holding a ball. Oh, I'm going the documentary because I'm going to post it after this. Trust yeah. me, I already planned that. Yeah, he, Let the um, people know where they can go watch it too and, and the name of it. Yeah, he said he said to me like, Rude, you know what? okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. Tell the people the name of the documentary. You act like everybody know. I know. Oh, okay. It's a it's What's a woman. It's called A Woman Amongst Boys. A Woman Amongst Boys. ESPN two hour documentary. Uh, tells a lot. Tells a lot about my story. Um, but I've been blessed, you know, Glenn on E sixty. You know, with uh same episode with Obama. It's I've been really, I really, you know. Like I said, like I can't ask for any more in the game. Game has really done, you know, done me well. And, and you're not finished yet. Trust me, I told no. you. No. Yeah. So, how would your team have looked if New York was allowed to play? Oh man, Glenn, to be honest, um. You know, I always say I can never guarantee a championship, right? Because I think uh, nobody can guarantee a championship. But we would have been in the mix. We'd have been right there. You know, it's, it's just my opinion, not because I coach him. But I think um, you know, I was coaching the best kid, maybe coming back in the city and, and Khalil, frankly, um, without a doubt. But, I, you know, it's not a kid that works harder, um, that plays the game the right way, that, you know, wants to win. You know, he put up a lot of points, and people, you know, they notice him for that. Um, you know, he was seven in in New York State um, in scoring, but he wanted to win uh, in, a, in a worse way. And he held his kids and his teammates uh, accountable um, for winning. Um, but it was also we were senior heavy. The kids that really felt had some experience um, that would have been coming back. And there's one or two, we know, one or two pieces probably would have transferred in. So I would say that, you know, we would have to been like top two, three, when you start to talk that, you know, who got a shot to win it. Yeah, we definitely um, would have had that, that shot to win it. I really believe that. Wow. Well, New Year's Eve, uh, we had an award show for our 100th show and being the end of the year. And we gave our 20 awards. Mm. And Khalil Brantley got player of the year. Okay? Um, I've been watching him, of course, when he was with uh, Tiny at Nas and then came over because I, when he came over to Boys and Girls, trust me, he was at home. You right? Mean Mm-hmm. And people treat him as such. But the game, I was so much impressed at, and it happened to come in a loss to Banneker. Banneker played Jordan rules with uh, Khalil. Trust me. Watched the whole game. Myself, Tom Kachowski, Arthur Walker, the head of the... Uh, PSL, like everybody big time was at that game. Okay? They did not give him a call. He was getting pushed to the ground. They was double and triple teaming him, making it hard for him. Similar to what Detroit was doing 
to Jordan. But the one thing I was impressed with that kid was his demeanor never changed. He never banged on the ground. He never looked at the referee and said, you owe me that. I'm Khalil. I'm the top scorer. Give me that. Not one time. And when, when y'all lost that game, he was so hurt after that. I was like, damn. That kid's special right there. And you know what, Glenn? You you know, you've been around all types of players and played with all types of players. You very rarely, some players don't get a player like that in their whole coaching career. Facts. For me to be, to get him and, you know, like you said, coming from different programs, but him just buying into, you know, um, my program and, and, and what we was trying to do, it kind of was a, a win-win situation, right? It was like a relationship that went well. Um, because what I told Khalil from the start, I thought I could get out of him and what type of player I thought he could be. Um, he believed in that. And he also gave me back, like, Coach, you could trust in me. Uh, I'm going to show you that I'm a leader. I'm going to show you why I need to be a captain. He didn't talk about it. He just showed it by his demeanor, by being in the first one to practice, getting in the gym, at 6 in the morning, calling, seeing what time the gym is going to be or how late it's going to be. Going to the weight room, hitting the track when it's almost 100 degrees outside. So when you guys come and watch him play, you know, you you just seeing the the, the, the game aspect. But you got to know if you, you, you know when you play and everybody else that understands basketball, you know it's a lot of work have to be put yeah. in behind the scenes. And I'm telling you, in my 28 years of coaching, I have never had a play. And I had some great players. We could go yeah. down a yes. lot of some yes. really good players. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Great, yeah. great players. And I'm very thankful for them, and I love them. But I would have to say, if I had to say, one player who faced the gimmick defenses, the, the boxing ones, the trying to all the strategies beat them up, you know, every time he come through, make sure you pop him. And he just played on, and he still averaged 30-plus points in the PSL. We talking about against the great team. We talking about, we talking about yeah. PSL, A Brooklyn. That's right? right. We ain't talking about no bums. We talking about the best of the best. And he still did it to every last one of them. So imagine if they didn't play gimmick defense. You know, and and it's and it's a shame. You know, it's sad, but none of us could control this. But the city, I wish the city would have had a chance to watch him play one more year. And, and it's, it's it is sad because listen, Catholic school is about to suit up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I saw Gary Irving the other day. I said, "Yo, G Irving, man, just let me know when you got some free time in February." So he's like, "Oh, damn, G, we start next week." I said, "What?" He's like, "Yeah." Our league is starting. I said, that's PSL? He was like, no. Well, you know, they do things different. It's a whole different entity there. And, um, yeah, you know, man. Public school <laughs> and PSL. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, I want to play in the worst way. Like, this has been the most depressive time in my life. Like, the most time I ever spent in my house, like not being in the gym, not being in right. the school. I, I say this to you, like my first 16 years of school, I never missed a day of school. Never wow. missed a day of school. I mean, that's that's like, I always tell people, that's my first house where I live 
is my second house. So nobody wants to play uh, more than me. Nobody wants their kids on the court more than me. But I do understand the safety first, you know, and yeah. the safety protocol, you know, I, I want to get back on that court. But sometimes there's that's a selfish part of me. But then there's another part of me saying, like, how are we going to get back on that court? You know, right now, high school is not even in session. You know, public schools are not even in the building. So there's a, I'm not saying that it can't be done, but it would have to be a whole lot of protocols and rules and regulations that would have to go and play or be in play to, to have it done. And I'm, you know, I don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I already know about the politics of New York City basketball. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that offline. It's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is the only thing that these kids have. So, um, however they work it out, however we get these kids to play, to get them some kind of uh, exposure, um, you know, I guess it's up to, to people like ourselves. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I'm going to let you get out of here in a few. Last couple of questions. What's your perception of New York City basketball today, despite COVID? Um, you know, I, I would like to think, you know, and there's a lot of good people in the game, you know, but we also know there's a lot of individuals in the, you know, in the game that's for themselves, um, that's not really, you know, doing right by kids, teaching right, um, uh, teaching kids the right way, not telling the truth. Um, and that's the part of, of basketball that uh, bothers me, but there's a lot of uh, good um, coaches and good people in the game, and I think you know kids have to try to find that. But more importantly, their parents have to get involved and um, you know uh, do their homework, uh, do their investigation, do their they work to find out um, those programs. You know, when we played, there was a handful of teams, and that was it. You know, and um, that's where the best players play. You know. Now every corner store got an AAU team, you know. <laughs> um, you know, people that never even, I think, even attempted to even watch a game, much, late, much less play a game, they got AAU team. So, um, you know, and then you're just trying to get the best players and get them together and put them on the court. And we know that's not the right way. So I would say that, um, you know, New York City basketball, if you get in, um, and the right hands and do things the right way, go to the right programs, um, then then we in good hands. But if you you the opposite and you don't, um, it could be a really dirty game. It really can. Yeah. Uh, Bo Hicks, I had him on here a couple of weeks ago. He said that what you said, we got to educate the parents. Once you ed educate the parents, the bodega from the down the block can't come with his AAU team and said, you know, I want your son to play with me. Here's some new sneakers in the bag. And, yeah, and never right. teach that kid anything. And that kid is coming back the same way and wondering why, you know, there's no scholarships on the table. And that's amazing, right, Glenn? We got a long way to go. If you could give a kid a pair of sneakers in a bag and then they just sell and sold it, you know, that's, that's a disheartening part. And then we as adults, we got to be better than that. You know, we got to be better than that. I always tell uh, people, you know, I'll recruit the kid. I don't talk to the kid. Let me talk to your parent. You know, we, yeah. we don't talk to the parent. You know, like my my principal, my my athletic director. Uh, they have conversations. Um, 
but the parent just showing the statistics of what we do uh, in the classroom and and why that's important. And if you take care of all of that, then you get on the, you get on the basketball court. But uh, it really is a disservice the way um, the basketball community a lot of times are, are doing kids. They they they're kids. They don't know. Like so, if you if you give them that that pair of sneakers that maybe their parents about you 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 know you got them, but it's really not the you know the right way. You know, like when we was young, you had to earn things. You know what I mean? We yes, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, had to earn doing, everything, right? That's right. And then you know, if we did come in with a pair of sneakers, our parents were like, "Yo, where you get that stuff sneaker for?" Hold on, let me call that coach. You know what I mean? That, what exactly what my mom did every time right. I bought some home exactly. until it became used to it. But in the beginning, right. let me call this person. Yeah, absolutely. Who gave you around home? Let me yep. call this person. All right. So if you're not right. doing your, your, your due diligence, the kid gonna do what he wants, and the kid start acting like or behaving like he's or she is grown. Right. Right. Setting them up for failure. Crazy. The one thing I want to give you credit with Ruth is. Keeping your players home. That's one thing I can say about boys and girls. If a kid goes to boys and girls, bring the phone down a little bit, Ruth. Mm-hmm. The, if the kid goes to boys and girls, nine times out of ten, he's probably going to finish up at boys and girls. And you know why, Glenn? Because, you know, we treat it like a family atmosphere. Um, it's a lot of love at boys and girls. And, and, I mean, you don't have to hear that from me. I don't have to... I know boys and girls, you know, you can, I always tell people, ask the players, ask the parents who kids uh, that, that went to boys and girls. But when you come there, um, you know, it's it's bigger than basketball, you know, um, from from the teachers and, and the administration. Like, you, gonna, you know, they're going to support you. You know, make sure you get that schoolwork done. Um, they just teach you to be a better person. They 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 respect parents. They bring you know, parents and they celebrate parents and uh, they, you know, the school is not like, you know, it's open. Come in and see what we do. Any, I, I tell people all the time, like, I don't have to talk about just come and see what we do. And I know, you know, people know like, when they're not treated fairly or something's wrong, then they're going to leave. But you know, most kids at Boys and Girls, they come and they and they and they and they come to a program where people sincerely care on every level. But we're gonna play basketball, we're gonna play basketball hard, and we're gonna be good. All right. We that def, we definitely gonna compete. But all the other little things that I'm not gonna say go on to other places, but I know those little things definitely go on at Boys and Girls High School. And kids and parents love that, and that's why kids come and they stay. Listen, when I, when I when I come to the door, I know I can say, "Roof Lovelace." You know who I you know who I say, "Roof." When I come to the door and I get the red carpet treatment, you know who name I throw out there? No, I don't. Mama G. Mama G. Mama G. Mama G is a a product. Her son with the boys and girls. Look what he's doing. He's playing overseas. Great kid. And you know what? A great a sense of a great person, an alumni is kids that come back and when Bryce come home we always come back he's always in kids ear he's always playing with them and and, and teaching them not just talking about it but showing them what it's like to play on that that next level and um you know Glenda one thing too about boys and girls high school is that 
you know, we open it up to everybody. So yeah. in the summertime, you know, we it's not about getting boys and girls kids better. It's about any kid that want to get better. Uh, come on in and, 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 you know, use our facility because it's not about boys and girls and just boys and girls play. It's about any kid that want to get better and um, do something positive. That's right. Mama G, uh, that's my, one of my best friends, Todd, who also went to Boys and Girls. That's his woman. So we all family. So she go, whenever you come to the game. And I, I miss her. I was, I was kind of nervous first time. It was like, Mama G, uh, come right in here. And that's how you see me at the games all the time. Say, think about it. Mama G, she does, she plays her part. As parent coordinator, yeah, and she gets yeah. kids on board, and she's, you know, she just, um, she's always in the building. She's there late. She give up her time, but all of that matters. It's not just Ruth Lovelace, and head basketball coach. All of those pieces play a part. Security, yeah. the lunch staff, the custodians, everybody plays a part to make this this engine or this train. I like to say this train run. All right, Ruth. Here we go. Let's have some fun. Top five players in New York City history. In your your eyes. Ooh, top five players in New York history. You know, I would have to go with the legends. You got to say Kareem, right? Abdul Jabbar, a little better known as Lou Alcinda. Um, we always had this, this point guard talk. Man, I know how great Pearl Washington was, right? He was great. But in my era, I got to see Kenny Anderson play. And I thought Kenny Anderson might have been the best that ever did it. But, I mean, I watched Pearl and Pearl. I was in eighth grade, you know, I was seventh, eighth grade. Um, he, was a, he was a man against boys. So we probably had to go with Pearl. I would say Kenny Anderson have to be in that mix as, as the other guard. Um, oh, that's oh, we can oof. That's you can just care play. boys and girls if you really want to. Yeah, 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 we really can, to be honest. And I like the way you said that, Glenn. You said boys and girls got more basketball champions. No, the second oh, oh, let me let me frame, let me, and I'll finish out the list for you Connie yeah. Hawkins, Jumping Jackie Jackson. That's that's it. So, right, that, that, that's you could tell Lenny Wilkins, and, right? Okay? It's so many. It's so many. Well, one of the another reason why uh basketball heads is gonna be so important because when I started doing the research to like the city championships and all that, I would ask people who has the most city champions championships. First school everybody would say is who you think everybody would say first? They say Lincoln. Facts. Everyone says Lincoln. And I go, no, not even. I think we're, we're third. It's DeWitt Clinton, and then it's Boys and Girls. Okay? And, and, and I think y'all up there in the top 10 for sending uh, guys to the NBA as well. But for our city championships, y'all the second winning program in New York City history behind DeWitt Clinton. Dwayne Clinton has 18, and they also sent 18 guys to the NBA. Wow. Nobody even remembers Dwayne Clinton. Right. Right? So we want to make sure 
people don't forget Ruth Lovelace, boys and girls, and all these other people that had an impact in New York City basketball. And let me just say this. I know we talk about basketball and basketball heads, but boys and girls high school got the most city championships when you look at all the sports, right? So boys and girls high school, if you want to give us, you know, kudos on another end, has Woo! the most city titles out of any high school in New York City. That's crazy. That's Open crazy. And, and look, when you when you got the pick of the litter, because the way Clinton and boys and girls were all boys' schools at one time, and then it kind of crossed over. And Ruth, you did something amazing. Paul Brown been at boys and girls since who knows, has some of the greatest players in New York City history. Never won it. Yeah, I always say I wish I had some of his players. <laughs> yeah, he had some great players. It wouldn't have been fair. It wouldn't have been fair. God bless you with the players that you had, and you had some great ones. One I want to ask you about, because I remember him in eighth grade, and he was like one of your first star players, Mike Taylor. What is Mike Taylor up to these days? Because I would Mike love Taylor to interview Mike. Now, he's now a dad, and, you know, he's working, Um, you know, if people really knew Mike's um, story, because Mike really has a story. Um, That's why I want to interview him. I used to teach his younger brother. His younger brother went to my school. Mm, yeah, and once he, he found out I knew his brother, we had a different kind of relationship. So his Mike Taylor has a story in itself. Maybe one day you could get him on, Glenn. But to talk to Mike Taylor of today, uh, very humbling. Um you know, father figure, uh, wants the best for his kids, understand that he has to go to work and provide. Uh, he's still playing, still in shape. Um, you know, Mike Taylor always tells me, like, you know, like, Coach, I never ever get a high school diploma if I didn't play for you. You know, because um, before I came to the high, you know, I kind of just did what I want when I want. Like, coaches never really chastised me. Um, you know, they just kind of just let me get over and I kind of did what I wanted to do. But when I came to Boys and Girls High School, uh, you humbled me. You know, you humbled me in a lot of different ways. You made me understand that I didn't have to score a lot of points in order to get, you know, major division one offers and to be, you know, I used to tell them like Mike, um, to to be known as a as a as a, a really good player, you know, really good players are really good because they make their teammates better. All right. That that's how you get them individual awards. And he was like, you know, like, like he didn't understand it, you know, and to this day he comes out, he'll say to me like, hey, coach, you know what? Uh, you know, I didn't get it back then, but you know, I got it before my high school career was over. Um, and I made him understand, like, you know, that, you know, just be more of a team player, um, you know, work on your mid-range. Of course, he had the long jump shot, get in the weight room, be a little bit more physical. And, and he did, you know, and he did because, again, I always use that that word, you know, accountability. But I encouraged him um, just, just just listen and buy in. And, and at the end, Let's see if it if it if it comes out to be true, and it did. And so I, I love Mike Taylor, um, you know. Uh, and Mike Taylor is a great guy. He'll give you his shirt up back. Anything he got, you can definitely get it from him. Um, but you know, he has a you know 
he deserves a lot a lot of credit too because doing those yeah. runs, you know, he was he he definitely was uh he was definitely was that guy along with a lot of other players that was on that team. Yeah, yeah. you had a lot of good players, but I just always remember Mike because I remember him uh, eighth grade, and every time I see him, he always gave respect. He was able to, you know, have dialogue no matter when I saw him. And uh, I put up, I posted a picture of him today because, you know, doing my research on you, came across one of his pictures, and I said, I miss this kid. It, and it was more it was more about who that kid was than basketball with me. So I know a lot of people get caught up in the hype. For me, it's about who you are as a person. And Mike was a great kid. So I definitely want to make sure um, I ask you about him. Take your buffering. As soon as we's about to show you your picture. Are you still there? Crazy, man. Glad we got to have this interview because I'm telling you, when it's all said and done, Ruth Lovelace will leave a legend. Hey, I'm, I'm glad you guys able to watch the interview. I'm just going to wait for her to come back on real quick, or at least watch me as I show her picture. All right? Ruth Lovelace. Boys and girls, great. And boys and girls, legendary coach. Let's check out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we're going to talk about that tomorrow, Les. Definitely. All right, people. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Basketball Heads Live. I'm your host. Glenn, Pooh, Harding. And this is that new game over basketball. Y'all check that out. You know how we do. Basketball has live. We are the official home for New York City basketball. Peace.